Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we today? All right, good. Let's get into it. Just tell me all about your feelings. And... No, I am excited about Israel Is this Wednesday. Please come out. It's at Embers on the second floor. It is completely free. Uh, Bob Scott, a rep from Kufi, is coming out. Christians United for Israel, that's what that means. And uh, he's going to be speaking. They cover their own costs, too, to, for him to come. So please come on out. It's going to be awesome. We have several things that are free giveaways, too, for, to learn more about it. So please come on out. Apps and desserts provided. So if you're like, I don't want any of that stuff, but you want free food, you got to come. So uh, feel free to bring a friend, too. Just sign up online. So we are rounding out in James this week and next week, and we are done in James. Never read it again. Never talk about it. No, I'm kidding. Um, just, just this... Uh, We'll be, we'll be wrapping the series up, so if you love it, I'm sorry. If you hate it, well, the end is nigh. So, take heart. I was thinking about this time, you know, James is this letter about basically the character and his, his wisdom and the things he grew in in ministry over a lot of years, and the things he saw and the challenges he would give a church. And, and basically, this is what I learned, this is what you need to be and do. And as he's closing it out, he keeps really hitting on character. And I love it because James isn't talking about how this is how you grow a church, or this is how you guys should sing, or make sure you meet in this type of place. He doesn't do that. He talks about this is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And considering he's the half-brother of Jesus and he becomes to believe in his brother as the Savior, there's probably some validity to it, right? And one of the things he hits on here is he just kind of nails on, and it, it's the overall, but pride. It's probably one of the things in my life that we all struggle with pride, okay? But it's probably one of the things I have one of the least amounts of grace for, right? We all have things we have mercy and grace for people for, right? If somebody's, if you've struggled with alcoholism, you have mercy and grace for somebody who struggled with it because you've been there. You understand it. If you've struggled with uh, being in debt, you have mercy and grace for people who struggle with that. If, if you've been prideful more so, then you're, you have probably more compassion. And it's, I, I've, we all struggle with pride, but it's, it's one of those things I have so little grace for. When somebody's arrogant, when they just know it all, when they're just like, I got this, I'm just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> There was this pastor I met one time, and I walked into his office, and, uh, and, and he had some interesting trinkets on his shelves, and I was looking at it, and this is the first time I'm ever meeting him. He's got some interesting trinkets on his shelves, and I was kind of looking at it, and he looked at me, uh, no joke, and he said, you like that, don't you? <laughs> just like that, just like that, with the big, you like that, don't you? <laughs> uh, felt gross. You know, it just felt kind of icky, kind of, I felt a little violated, I, I was uncomfortable. And I remember just thinking right in that moment, oh, we're not going to be friends. <laughs> I just knew, like, those are the guys who I, I just don't hit it off with. I just, there are, and there's a difference, and we're going to talk about it today, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence, right? God wants you to be confident, he doesn't want you to be arrogant. God wants you to know who you are in him, uh, but when we know who we are in him, we also don't have to make it known to anybody else, because we already know my, our security is right here. It's with Jesus. I'm good. Matter of fact, better a lifestyle that lives in humble servitude than explosive leadership that is full of pride. It's really true. The Lord sees that person. The widow's might. You guys remember that story? It's the widow. She gave this tiny little nothing. And, and 
Everybody was talking about, oh, and the Lord's like, that person right there gave more than all of you. And the Lord saw that. And we've kind of left that idea of living eternally, living where he sees us. It's far more being seen and making a name for yourself and, and making space for yourself. It's, a, it's not a great time for the Western church. It's a church, it's a time of a lot of pride, a lot of self-reliance, self-improvement, arrogance, our opinions. Uh, I was talking with a friend earlier this week, and I was just, I was telling them, I said, you know, I, I rarely actually post many opinions online anymore, or thoughts, or get into almost anything online anymore. Mostly, it's not because I'm afraid or don't believe those things. No, I very much believe those things, and I'm not afraid I'm just not going to give somebody permission to abuse me. It's not going to do it. I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm going to say something. Here's a knife. Would you stab me a little bit? <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Nah. I'm going to pass that up. It's, I'm, it's not fear. It's wisdom. It's saying there's no context in this space. Why give them the opportunity to hurt me? And I don't know if you know this, but there's this thing called algorithms that is looking for that, to give other people the opportunities to hurt you. Now, they're not thinking that way. They're thinking engagement, money, ad revenue. That's what they're thinking. But for us, it's like, wow, this is terrible. But my pride says, I got to post this. <laughs> and James kind of hits on that. And we all are that way. Man, when I got out of Bible college especially, I am telling you, I knew everything. <laughs> I just knew all the things, the way the church was supposed to be, the way the church wasn't supposed to. I was just, I was awesome. It was really great to have ascended the hill of the Lord, right? We are that way sometimes in certain things and in certain areas. Isn't it funny how people get levels of power and piety right? It's like a mall security guard. Like, you're in charge of nothing, man. <laughs> but they just think they are amazing. Do you remember when they introduced, like, segways to mall security guards? And then they're just unbearable. Like, it's the worst. I can't, I can't handle it anymore. Um, I mean, now they are literally above us, <laughs> you know? Now they're just fulfilling that role. That's... And if we don't guard our hearts... We all go there. There's a great book out there. It's really funny um, by a pastor up in the Twin Cities, and it's called Pharisectomy, How to Remove Your Inner Pharisee. <laughs> and, and, and really, and it's a hilarious book, but it's really good too. We, we all think we're going to be the guy with Jesus who stands up and defends him. And we're going to be like, no, if we were there on the day of Calvary. If we were there the day he went to the cross, we'd all be like, I got this. <laughs> but here's the thing. The people who watched him raise the dead, they were there when Lazarus came out. They saw the blind see. They watched him cast out demons. They watched him walk on water. And all of them but one ditched him in that moment. And that one... I think John maybe knew. I think John was like, this is what's supposed to happen. Because he was the closest to Jesus. But the rest were like, I, I'm out of here. But it's our pride, it's the Phariseeism in us that says, that's the way it should be. I've really come to the place in my life where I've begun to learn. I've known pastors and I love him, but like I, I knew, I don't remember one pastor I knew, he, he just lies a lot about dumb stuff. You know, I'd be like, hey, I saw you at that place. No, you didn't. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what did, why would you lie about that? And, you know, I wasn't there. <laughs> like, it was just, and like, his huge integrity character flaw. Just does. And the Lord hasn't taken him out. He's still there. He's still doing ministry. It's nobody, it, none of you people know who I'm talking about, by the way. Why? Because God is merciful. 
And all the things I'm pointing the finger at him at of why he shouldn't be there, the Lord could point infinitely more back at me. And James addresses this in the church. He's not talking to the world. The, the world, we should be in the place that they're like, well, I don't go to church because it's filled with hypocrites. Let's just sit in the place where it's like, you are so right. I'm one of them. Would you like to come with me? <laughs> right? Because we are, we are people in need of grace. Grace is the deliverance from pride. It's not. Grace is what enables us to become humble. We don't fight to become humble and then we're not proud anymore. It's encountering our need for the grace of God that causes us to be humble and then defies our pride. So if you've got your Bibles, go to James chapter, I believe it's yeah, three, four. Four, yep. Don't speak evil against each other's dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, when you're criticizing, and uh, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. So I'm super guilty of this. But he, one of the things he's saying is don't criticize the church and the people thereof. Don't do it. Because it's literally the thing God set up. And if God set it up, that means it's a law. Don't, that doesn't mean we can never speak to anything. That's not what I'm saying, right? If you're like, oh, I, I do know the pastor regularly goes out and gets drunk and gambles. You should say something, right? Not to, to maybe an elder, right? Don't post it, but maybe say something, right? I don't do that, by the way. I have enough problems. I don't, I don't do that. Um... But as a rule, we just don't sit in the place of critique and criticism. And it's easy. We are now living in the day where we have a hundred microphones to our criticism. But kingdom people live the opposite way. I could literally stand here and rattle off pastors I know and character flaws and churches and things like that. And I would be literally stepping into a demonic space by doing that. Because God set up his church, and he loves her with all her mess and problems and ugly and infidelities. And, and God's like, and that's my bride. Don't mess with her. Right? If you came to me and you're like, Pastor Brian, I've used this before, but I'm using it again. Because I'm a man and I only have so many analogies. So, um, if you came to me, you're like, Pastor Brian, I love you. I just think you're the best. I love everything you teach. and You're just so great, et cetera. But I don't like your wife at all. I don't like her. I don't, she, I don't like the way she smells, and I don't like the way she presents herself, and blah, blah, blah. And you just went on and on. This is what's wrong with your wife. Guess what? You and I are not going to get along. <laughs> you and I are at odds in that moment. Because you crossed a covenant boundary. She's first in my life outside of Jesus, right? Same thing's true with any man in here. If I mess with God's bride, which is the church, and a lot of people are like, well, it's the church universal. Church universal and church local are the same thing. They're not, you can't separate them. And if you tear it down, the Lord's like, you and him are not in a great place, even if you think you are. It took me a lot of years to understand this, and it still does. I can think of a pastor right now who is successful, but I don't like very much as a person. And you know what? The Lord still loves them. The Lord is still in their midst, and the Lord still uses them. And I want to keep my hands off that. And I want to say, Lord, bless them. And what needs to be worked out, work it out. Because you're going to find it everywhere. James began to, I think James began to get this. It's going to be everywhere. Right? If you find the perfect church, don't go because you're going to mess it up. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Right? Psalms, actually, there's a verse in Psalms, and I forget the reference, but it says, Many are the streams that make glad the city of God. 
There's a lot of different types of streams in the body. There's a lot of different types of church. And you know what? Not one of them is the one. Now, there are denominations and churches that go astray, that leave the foundation of the Bible, and they start teaching things that are anti-biblical, yet they're out, they're out. They're out of the family. I don't know why. Uh, the Lord's, that's up to them on Judgment Day. But if you're like, this church will only sing hymns, but they believe Jesus is the one true Son of God, the Bible is His authoritative word, He is coming again, He's born of a virgin, guess what? They're in the family. They're a little boring, but they're in the family. <laughs> right? It's, it, it's okay. Well, this family believes in wearing dresses and skirts. Well, they're a, legal, a, little, a, a little legalistic, but they might be just in the family. Right? And, and down the line. But we are so quick to critique and tear it apart. I, I need to keep moving. All right. Because <laughs> we're going to get there. Um, God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Basically, he's talking about the idea here of piety. Which is a type of pride. I, I, I put, this is my own definition of piety, by the way. For because I'm, I'm not writing my own dictionary. I just needed to make my point the way I needed to make it. All right. A religious posture that positions oneself in a place of spiritually higher or better than another, giving them the ability to look down or criticize those they deem less spiritually authoritative or holy or spiritually capable. Piety. It's a bad place to be. Now, I like preaching messages that are more encouraging and fun and let's go get them and conquer the world for Jesus. That is not what James wrote. <laughs> James is talking to the church and he's saying, piety, stop it. You look like a Pharisee. The moment we're sitting in a place where we like judging and critiquing and calling out and regularly criticizing. Matter of fact, I think there's, there's three very popular Christians in the evangelical side who do this. First, like reformed people. If you don't know what reformed people is, it would be like Dutch reformed or Calvinists um, or, or, or people who are the guardians of the doctrine, right? Um, they, they, have, they have whole groups online. And there's, there's, there's some reformed guys I like, but they're a little more what they would say neo-reformed. But in the hardcore reformed, guys like Vody Bauckham, who I like, but let me tell you, if you hung out with him long enough, there's areas of his doctrine you would butt up against. Or guys like John MacArthur, who's a brilliant theological mind and sometimes kind of a jerk, right? So uh, what happens is people get in this place where they're like, we're the guardians of doctrine in the church. And I would say it is good for us to guard our doctrine in the church. It is not good to self-appoint ourselves in that place over others. That's a bad place to be. There's other groups that do this, right? Ones who are like, you have to go back to the way all Jewish people did all things all the time. And then they have now postured themselves, I don't eat pork, therefore God loves me more. I've had bacon and I'm pretty sure he loves me. <laughs> and... and I've been there, right? So I, I don't think you're right. Or there's the King James only crowd. I have a friend who I love dearly. I have a couple friends, actually. who King James only. Only the King James. That's God only speaks in Old English. I know. I researched it. They're the word-for-word -word translation. Just so you know, the NIV, the ESV, those are all word-for-word -word translations too. King James, who I praise God for, he translated the Bible for people to read it and not just the Roman Catholic Church. Praise God for King James. Wonderful. I grew up, in, before there were much other versions, with mo mostly King James, till it was like, hey, maybe we can remove the these and now since none of us talk this way anymore. So King James was a guy who translated the Bible, did, did a wonderful work, and he did it word for word, roughly. Since the time of King James, it's been a minute, okay, we found newer, more updated, slightly more accurate manuscripts. 
There was this discovery in the 40s called the Dead Sea Scrolls. But along with the Dead Sea Scrolls were hundreds of other scrolls about the New Testament and other things. You know what they did? Great Bible societies took that information and just updated some stuff. When you're in a King James-only crowd, I would encourage you to be careful because they often end up very cult-like. It's a place of piety, and it is dangerous. Now, I'm not saying don't be discerning on your translations of the Bible. I agree with that. Okay? Let's step on some toes. I don't like the Passion Version of the Bible. I think there's some very deceiving things in there, and I think it's very poorly done. I'm not saying there's nothing good in there. But you can give me a cup of Diet Coke and drop some cyanide in it, and I'm probably going to enjoy it till I don't. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Right? So there's some stuff in Mormonism that's pretty good. There's a lot of stuff that's really not good, okay, that we radically disagree, okay? But they got family down. All right, moving on. So piety, it's a bad place to be. Another group of the pious is the hyper-charismatic. And what I mean by that is those who Let's whip out flags, every service, and a tambourine, and something else, and let's just worship and no preaching at all, and et cetera, et cetera. That being said, I'm all for all those things when God does it, and it's time, right? I, I am, believe it or not. I don't have an issue with most of those things. I have an issue with saying, if it's not that, it's sin and evil, and you're missing God. That I have a problem with, because that's piety. If you don't do it just like, so to touch on something that's really sad to me, um, and who know, people are innocent of proven guilty. This past two weeks or so, Mike Bickle of IHOP uh, has now been accused similar of, of, uh, of Willow Creek, similar situation of having some kind of sexual assault over a lot of years. Not justified, not, not, nothing's been done in court, but right now, in this moment, um, they, they're, they're in a big legal battle. Now, I have friends on both sides of this, because I have friends who, uh, we were in Madison, Wisconsin for a lot of years. There was a large contingent, Ted Gary was part of it, if you remember Ted. Large contingent in our city that loved the things that I have and brought it to Madison, and they called it MHOP, just Madison House of Prayer. They started their own school, worship night. We went to many of them, Okay. Ted Gary, one of our dearest friends, was one of the leaders of that thing. And, and we, uh, we went a few years ago. The Bucks uh, blessed us and took us to the One Thing Conference. Wasn't that the last one? I think it was. And it was a wonderful time. It's really outstanding worship, great preaching. And now there's Christians who are rejoicing over that because they disagree with things in IHOP. There should be no moment where we rejoice at a brother who falls. I don't rejoice over what happened at Willow. I don't rejoice over what's happening at IHOP. Uh, we rejoice when the truth comes out for restoration's sake, but we don't rejoice over people falling. We just don't do that. That's wicked. We say, God, would you move? Would you show your mercy and your goodness? I knew years ago, this is a thing that happened that we have personal experience with. Um, at Christ for the Nations, uh, right after I graduated, my wife's second year there, there was a thing of, quote, manifestations happening, and it was like gold dust appearing in the room. This is not a commentary on gold dust or not, okay? This is saying a thing that happened in a moment in time. And, and some of the staff and students were very much enjoying it, and it was extensive, and then about... Uh, somewhere in like the second week, they found the speaker backstage stuffing his pockets and then basically faking a manifestation. And that's a moment, like, why? The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. Let him do what he's going to do. He can show up and he doesn't need my help. He needs my willingness, but he doesn't need my help. And what happened there? I have a feeling that speaker, and I, I couldn't give you the name of the person, 
They didn't make it in ministry. I can't tell you that. I have a feeling that that person somewhere along the way got convinced that that has to happen every time. Maybe that happened to them one time and they were blown away by something supernatural that God did that was like, wow, look at this. And then they felt compelled, like I've always got to do this now. So sad. If we're not careful, we can make theology out of a moment or a method. And that is dangerous. The other day, I, I so I'm, I'm presbyter of our section of churches, and I, we hosted our very first uh, event for pastors in our section over at Living Water in Bolingbrook. And Papa G came out and just spoke to all the pastors, and it was a really great time, went really well. But there was a moment he just started, and I don't know if you ever heard Papa G sing. Not great. It's not his gift. He's great at a lot of things. Singing ain't one of them. And there were no instruments, and there was no band, and we just sang together for a minute. And Heidi was there, and uh, Chris, you were there. Uh, Dave and Bobby were there. Man, it was awesome. Wasn't it just a sweet, powerful moment of just pastors and staff, people singing together? It was awesome. No instruments, no sound, no a guy who really can't sing leading it, and it was awesome. Praise God for when he erases our piety and our lists of how it has to be for him to show up. And the last group of that would just be the talented. People become really pious when they're really talented. Just God shows up when I, no, 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 don't, don't do that. When I sing, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I, I, had a, I had a youth years ago. It was so funny. And I, I was a worship leader at a church, worship and youth pastor. And, and uh, his name was Johnny, wonderful young man. Um, and and, and he, he became a really good worship drummer. But, but in the beginning days, he was rough. <laughs> um, and he would, he would, we were in a room, I mean super small, like half the size of the room with a moose. And, and packing it in, and we had an acoustic drum set. He would wail on that set, just blam, blam, blam. And, and, and I remember hearing the story, he was talking to mom, and he's like, well, don't you understand? The louder I play, the more the spirit shows up. <laughs> and he believed every word of that statement. Now, he was 16, so it's okay. We're going to coach him along and be like, that's not true. That's not, but he did have a talent, but he, he, he was just wrong, right? Some of us have gone to a Christian concert, blown away, and then you find out, oh, that person's been living in immorality. Well, why? Well, because one, the gifts are without repentance. The Bible talks about that. But two, God can just move and, and something can still be wrong. Don't let your talent take you where your character can't keep you. Don't look at your gifts. Look at the gift giver. You might be super gifted. Some people in this room are way more gifted than me. I'm like a jack of all trades, master of nothing. I can do a lot of things okay. But some people over the years are like, you're so talented. I'm like, you know, I'm really not. Because there's always somebody better. There's always somebody who does it better, who can do it a little more, who can go take it a little further. And that's okay, because we're not caught up in our gifts, our abilities. And James is saying, stop critiquing it, stop looking at it, stop tearing down others because they're not at the level you think they're supposed to be at. The fool critiques things based on bad judgments over short moments and incidents. The wise judge something based on fruit over time. The wise don't judge people, they judge actions and things. They don't judge the condition of a human heart. And we've got to be careful in that. Literally, we are critical and pious. We become critical and pious because we stop fearing God. 
we stand up instead of take the knee. I can look down on your worship, or I can look down on the band that day, or I can look down on the screen guys, or I can, etc., because they weren't at this level, etc., etc. Because somewhere along the way, we stopped fearing the Lord. And what if he set that up? What if the Lord's like, I want something off pitch today, because I want to do something with that. God doesn't do that. God only does things to a perfect metronome, and they're done in 15 minutes. <laughs> Good luck with that. But it's also, you can do the same, you can walk in the same megachurch and criticize the same thing. They should have gone longer. They should Hey, leave it up to them and the Lord. Let it go. And I'm guilty too. You're, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to us. All right, moving on. I think I covered that. All right, we're going to move on. Verse 13. Look here. You who say tomorrow or today we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we'll do business and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life's like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. Just a pick-me-up from James, right? You're going to (laughs) die. I just want you to feel good today before you leave. Your life is going to end. And quickly, (laughs) you know, um, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Simply put, pride. We get real prideful. We're all good at it. We're all exceptional at it. It's the first sin of all the sins. Love of money, the root of all evil. You know that verse? What's the love of money? The desire for power, pride, me. It's what Satan did in heaven. It's the very first disobeying of God in the eternal space. And the devil said, I want what he has. I could do it better. I'm more important. I'm worthy of that. When God called me to be a lead pastor, and some of you know this, I went kicking and screaming. I didn't want it. And one of the reasons I didn't want it, one was insecurity, fear, stupid human stuff, but the other one was, I don't want to be so presumptuous that I think I deserve that. And I should be in that space. Who am I to say that? It scared me. I think it was a holy fear. And we leave that. I know the Supper Club's doing the awe of God right now, right? Which is a whole series on the fear of the Lord. It's something we'd never talk about in the American church anymore. We don't fear him at all. I, I can honestly confess to you, there have been multiple leaders and pastors and just people of God who I was critical against that I realized grieved the heart of God and I wish I could redo it. God knows he's merciful, he's gracious. I've asked forgiveness. You move forward. But man, there are a lot of moments I wish I could hit the reboot button. Matter of fact, if I could make every Christian read the book, A Tale of Three Kings, I would. Because it's all about the story of Saul, David, and Absalom. And David just, under, he had a fear of the Lord when it came to the things the Lord has. And he's like, I, I'm not messing with it. Because I fear God way more than I fear dying. I don't know if I am that way sometimes. That's a, that's a big deal. But we don't talk like that, do we? We make almost all of our decisions in the American church based solely on grace. And almost none of them on the fear of the Lord. what we can get away with and what God's okay with versus what is God's best and what makes him feel blessed. (laughs) He breaks it down like, guys, don't talk and think about yourself so much. Just don't do it. Do you know large portions of anxiety, like people who are literally receiving medication and then a, a, a lot of it actually has to do with 
they just need to stop thinking about themselves? There is a massive, we talked about it a few weeks ago, there's a massive influx of narcissism in our world. We're breaking down on ourselves because we can't stop thinking about ourselves. A lot of times when I'm struggling with so bad, like with anxiety and work, you know what I usually do? I go to the gym, I serve somebody else, I go do something, just try and put it on my, and a lot of times, I would say eight out of 10 times, I'm fine after a little while. Because I realized I was just caught up in me. Well, what is that? What's going on? Why is that bothering me? What's gonna happen? Last night, woke up in the middle of the night, horrible nightmare, tons of anxiety from that nightmare. I just began to pray and get through it, get back, and you know what, the next morning I wake up and I'm fine. But part of me wanted to get up and go over that and over that and over that. And you know what would have happened, what really would have happened, is it would have went over me and over me and over me. It would have killed me. There would have been no life there. It was a bad dream. Too much melatonin. Moving on. (laughs) Right? Bible talks about like charm. It actually says charm is deceitful, Proverbs 31.30, and beauty is vain. We so are attracted to what's good and sexy, right? Put those pictures like influencers. We all want to be influencers, right? The Kardashians. If you watch that, let me encourage you, do not watch that. (laughs) Jesus loves them, and they're bad people. This is a picture of a whole bunch of influencers, right? Everybody thinks, I want to look this way. I want to act this way. One influencer decided she was going to take a couple of real-life pictures up against the fake ones. So there's the, on the you see on the one side the, the model picture. The other one's just real life. There's another one right after this. There's a model picture. There's real life. Right? It, it's just not reality. The condition of pride, nobody looks like that. It's, it's one of the most destructive things about things like pornography because nobody is like that. Women aren't like that and men aren't like that. That is lighting, it's makeup, it is acting, it is whatever, and it is destroying America. It is destroying the American man. Pornography literally rewires the brain, but it's an obsession with self. We can't live by it. We have to kill it. We have to say, that's my pride. It's my earthly, selfish desires, and I want it dead. I don't want to look like that. I don't want to need to be like that. Where would we be if we were just fully satisfied in Jesus? No, we don't really, it doesn't even really matter if we're ever recognized. Who are you serving? Your boss or Jesus? Your spouse or Jesus? Me or Jesus? Who are you going after? When I think it's for Jesus, I can get through a lot of stuff. It's a lot easier. But it's hard not to think about ourselves. And he gives a few tips on that. Here's a tip. Don't make plans without an open hand. If you're living for retirement... You should reassess. You may not make it there. Right? Old joke from preachers. Never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. It just doesn't happen. Can't take it with you. Right? What if you spend it out? Right? We sing, I pour my love on you. I love that song. I want to pour it all out on the Lord. I want to leave the field empty. But I won't do that if I keep looking for my stuff and my agenda. I'll I'll be looking for me. Don't do it. Serve. Just serve. Go out of your way to serve. We've been doing this seven and a half years now. I don't ever want there to come a Sunday that I'm not willing to unstack a chair or unload a trailer. I, I just don't want that to be in my heart. Because I don't ever want to be that person. It's just not worth it. Somebody, I read, you know, 
What does it gain a man? He gains the whole world and loses his soul. I read that in a book somewhere. You should check it out. <laughs> if life doesn't play out the way you want it to, what will it do to you? You might someday get a health report you did not expect. And it's not fair. So what are you going to do with it? You could sit in the place that says, this isn't fair, shouldn't happen to me, I'm going to fight, how dare it. Or you can say, God, I'm going to believe in faith for my healing, but I'm following you no matter what comes. One is a posture of pride, one is a posture of humility and reliance on sovereignty. Godfidence versus confidence. We sell that shirt if you want. It's on our, it's on our website, EncounterThrive.com. It says, just says that, Godfidence. Because my confidence isn't in me and my ability. And I've had that a few times in my life. It's okay. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm capable of. And I know what I'm mostly bad at. Okay? And it's okay to know that. There's nothing wrong with that. What it's not okay to do is to move into that place where you are so confident in your ability, you lose humility. That's dangerous to your soul. Some of you, some of you are really good looking people. God bless you. We're so grateful you're here. You make us look better. <laughs> really. And you know who you are, right? You're going to walk out and be like, he was talking about me. <laughs> Right? Someday, you may not be as pretty. <laughs> Gravity will take hold, and it pulls everything down. That's all I'm saying. And you know what? As long as you let the Lord form you, that day won't matter that much. Because you're more interested in having his heart than having a good body. Someday, Man, you can, have, you can have the bank accounts all right, all the schedules just right, all the things. Anybody here had all the things lined up and then it just didn't go that way? Anybody here? Put your hands up. Go ahead. Anyone? The rest of you are liars, man. <laughs> or you're two. <laughs> you know, because it's going to happen. Life is not going to go your way. Well, uh, it, it, it should have gone my way, but it's not my fault. It's that person's fault. Because if they would have had their stuff together, oh, the Lord's going to keep sending you those people because he's trying to shape you. <laughs> Humility is saying, I know the Lord has me when I can't, when I got nothing. Because then when you have everything, he still has you. You will, life is a series of, I think Rick Warren said it that, this way, I used to think life, life was a series of, of one set of train tracks, and you go and you drive through seasons, and, and, and sometimes the seasons are ugly and bad and nasty, and then you hit the good seasons, and then everything's nice and good, and, and you got money and time, he said, but the longer I've lived, I've realized life is two sets of train tracks you're always riding, and there's always good, and there's always bad all at the same time, everywhere. Sometimes seasons in our life are easier and we're struggling less, but there's always still struggle. You know what happened to me last week? I got a wisdom tooth pulled. It did not go well. Four times she went back into my mouth, and every time she kept taking something out. That's just one tooth. How, does it, how do you have to go more times? But it's fine because the next day, I got sideswiped pulling out of a parking lot. And you know what? God's still good. I didn't look at that and be like, the enemy has won over my life. Take me into thine eternity, Lord. <laughs> there was a few moments I felt like it. <laughs> no, it's just life. It was the enemy. You have to rebuke him. The enemy looked like a lot like a dumb kid with no insurance. That's what the enemy looked like. <laughs> and I don't think it was. It's just a bad couple of days. It's all right. Here's the best part, just paid off that car. Was about to trade it in for something better. 
And the Lord smiled and laughed. <laughs> you know, no, I'm kidding. The Lord didn't laugh. But it's just, hap- it's just life. Let it go, man. It's okay. Because God is good. This isn't the deciding factor of that. And lastly, warning to the rich, going into chapter uh, 5. Look here, you rich people. It just starts out so nice, doesn't it? Look here, you rich people. <laughs> James could not write this letter today. <laughs> James would be canceled so many times. <laughs> could you imagine if I got up here and I was like, can all the rich people in the church stand up? I got something to say. <laughs> um, I'm not asking, don't be seated, and I don't know who's rich, but... We've been grown with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of us. Just positive news. We've been grown. Trouble's coming. Um, Feel free to give at the give box in the back. (laughs) Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. This is the New Living Translation. This is the more positive version. All right. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you've hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated for their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of the heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Long and short, power. Power is not something the people of God seek. It's something God hands and gives to people, but it's not something we look for. It's not something we constantly try and attain and get more of. If God promotes you, It should be the moment you're getting on your knees and saying, God, I can't, but with you alone. And take me the whole way while we do it. That's a tough one. And some of you, God will promote you, and you think, I'm ready. And the Lord's like, you're adorable. And then he humbles you. Anybody here feel like they went through a humbling season, and you're like, I think I got it. Yeah, me. Yep. And the Lord's like, well, let's keep going. Because he's an extra mile, God. <laughs> Quick side note, if you're a prosperity gospel person, this is a big takedown of that. It doesn't really stand. It just doesn't stand. I'm not, I believe wholeheartedly that God blesses people. And God blesses some people financially. They're just, he blesses them with it. They're good with money. He shows them how to invest. He shows them what to do with their money. I, I have friends, like one of my best friends in Bible college, He's a multimillionaire. He's always been good that way. He's just blessed. But he's also not a person who's like, and God gave me lots and lots of money. No, God gave him his abilities, and God has blessed his efforts. But if I'm ever standing up here saying, hey, I need my second private jet, and I need to take the offering, feel free to vote me out. Okay? All right. Yeah, at the, at the first. Yeah, I'm being just exaggerating. Okay? I won't be asking... Won't be asking for, I've never even ridden first class in my life, okay? I prayed a few times, God upgrade me. It's never happened. Um, It it just doesn't happen. So, and and I want to say I have seen incredible generosity in this church. You don't know, we'll talk about it at the annual business meeting in the spring. Right now, we're up 20,000, I think, more than our giving from last year. And the year's not over. This church is beyond generous. Y'all are generous. I'm unbelievably grateful. But we do want power, all of us. We either want a bigger audience or a bigger bank account or a bigger authority. We're all in, in danger of it. Bigger audience is like having influence on. So I need somebody. Um, who, who's willing to uh, get pushed around a little bit? Who's, who's that? All right, Drew, come on up, man. <laughs> Bless his heart. Right? Some of us want a bigger audience, and it doesn't mean we want a platform. We just want influence. 
And what we want is the ability to just influence, to play offense on somebody, and to tell them where they got to go, and be like, there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of believers who want to impact somebody. No, you can't leave. I got more. All right? (laughs) Who just want to say, this is what you should do, and this is how you should do it. But they're doing it for the sake of the influence. They're not doing it for the sake of the best of the other, other person. They're doing it to be on the offense with somebody. Because somewhere within them, there's a need to have to influence somebody else. And they're getting fulfillment out of being used on somebody by God somewhere else. Never, ever get your fulfillment of ministry by ministry. Get your fulfillment by the Lord and then minister out of that. So we want audience, but we'll also want a bigger bank account. Power, money to make things happen. All right. I need you to put this on like a leash for me, Drew. All right. Supposed to have a leash this morning, but forgot it. All right. Yep. No, it's got to go all the way around. Don't worry. I won't kill you. I love you too much. All right. Your waist? That's fine. Some people can take money and they use it like influence to pull somebody somewhere. People can do it. I've seen it in churches. There was a church I was working at. A guy was a big giver and they're like, you have to do what I'm saying because I write a big check. Man, that's messed up. That being said, I don't think we have people like that here, but we can all do it. We can all use our money to influence somebody else and say, hey, go here, go there, do this. We can use power in people's lives. It doesn't even have to be money. It can be employment. It can be, it can be leadership. It can be the head of the family. Like, I'm, I'm the husband, and you're going to do what I say. Because the Bible. <laughs> Good luck with this. <laughs> it's not going to work. And if it does, it's not going to end well. And so the last thing, you can take it off. A lot of times we just want bigger authority. Yeah, no, no problem. We want, we want authority on people. We want authority, nope, you got to stay right here. Uh, we want authority uh, to people or we want authority over people to keep them down. Because something inside us needs them down here, so we push them down to keep us up. Now, sometimes we don't always know the difference. Right? Sometimes, sometimes it's godly leadership, and sometimes it's control. Let me just encourage you, you don't answer to God for their motives. You answer to God for your response. That's a tough one. Man, that's a tough one. Thank you. So years ago, worship team can come on up. We're going to wrap it up. Years ago, I was working at a church, and I was allowed a very small amount of days off. And we were expecting our first son to be born, Colin. And my brother's wife, he came home one day, and my brother's wife, now we lived a few hours away, not far, like three hours away. My brother called me one day, and and I was told that his wife left him, just took off. He's devastated, did not see it coming. Maybe he should have, but he didn't. And I went to my boss slash pastor and said, hey, can I just go down overnight and come back? And he said, well, you have so many days off, you can make a decision. You want to be there for your son being born or you want to be there for your brother? Not a great leadership call in that moment. That person has never said they're sorry, that was a mistake, that was wrong, and they could have, they didn't. You know what I chose? I chose my son. I was there for my brother in other ways that I could be. That was a moment of having to come underneath something that was probably wrong. 
but I have to trust the Lord with that. And it stunk. And then there were other moments. There's been other moments. I remember pushing so hard. I was telling Andrew this morning about, <laughs> I was in youth ministry. We had to take the youth to Six Flags that summer. We just had to. I cannot tell you why to this day. I was so like, Six Flags, change everybody's life. <laughs> but I was stuck on it. It was so stupid. Same pastor. And you know what? In that one, he didn't fight me. And he just graciously was like, all right. You know, we went. It was fun. And nobody's life was changed at all. <laughs> and he was right. And he let me make the call. And I did. And you learn. And you're going to learn from people's mistakes. And sometimes they're going to make the mistake. And you're the one who eats it. Maybe. And sometimes until much later on. Was that God? Or was that me? Or was that them? You won't know until you hang out and hang in there and serve. That pastor who I said, you know, lied a lot and things like that, Different. it was a different guy. In the end, we ended up having one of the best seasons of ministry there. We had favor with them. It was blessed and God just moved in great and mighty ways. And I could get away with a lot with that person eventually. Like, just had favor. And that pastor, the first pastor I was telling you about, I remember him sharing a story. And I'm going to close with this. And it's not in my notes. I just feel like it's the Holy Spirit. He shared this story of he was in a pastor's circle and they were taking prayer requests. I called the pastor that day struggling with saying, I'm working for this pastor, and it seems unethical and dishonest, etc. That's just a situation. And, and that old pastor I'd worked for, he said, let me share a story with you. I was sitting with a bunch of pastors. And we were going around the circle taking prayer requests. And uh, he goes, he made, there's like this classic joke in ministry. I love, I love, I love the ministry except for the people. kind of all it is. <laughs> and it's just God and people. And some of the guys laughed in the room, etc. But then he said, and then it got to this older God pastor in the faith, and he goes, and he said something for his prayer request. And he goes, but he said it in that fatherly way, not in like the rebuke me way. You know, like you had to be there, you had to hear it. But he just said it in the way of like, I just want to love God's people. that for me as a pastor. I just want to love his people. With all their mess and their brokenness and their instability and their hypocrisy and their lying and their... And you just begin to see nobody comes to this table unbroken. Nobody's gotten it all together here. Nobody's figured it out. Nobody's arrived. And here's what bad and good news is, and nobody's gonna this side of eternity. You're not and I'm not. But it's okay. It's okay, because if we can forgive, we can say teachable, or we can just say to our pride, you know, you don't get to win. You're not gonna win in my opinion of that person, and you're not gonna win in the way I serve here, and you're not gonna win in the way I, I follow through. You're, not, you're just not gonna win. I, I, I can't have that in my life. And one of those pastors, you know, they're still one of my best friends and a hero to me in the faith. So whatever you think I do right, that pastor played a giant, giant role. Because he got it. He got local church. And he killed the desire for celebrity in me. And I praise God for that man. I don't ever need my or want my name to be known. But I do want to be a good pastor to you and love you well. I'll let you down. Guarantee. It's my stamp of approval. <laughs> I hope you know I'll love you to the end. Let's be that people. 
make a small sign, put it up for a while. Leave your pride at the door. It's not welcome here. Come in this place to meet with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're not here to be fed. We're here to give Him glory. And if you do, you'll get fed. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. See you.